York Giants are victorious and are still undefeated at 2-0 with a win today against the Carolina Panthers. My name is Josh. My co-host is Alex. He was at the game today. He's going to give you the insider scoop of a fan at the home opener. And we are here on the Giant Take Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on a podcast app, we appreciate you for joining us. And let's get this thing rolling. I'm going right off the bat. Alex, as a fan experience, a fan sitting in the 100 levels today behind the end zone, how did it feel? What was the environment? Give me the atmosphere at MetLife Stadium for this home opener. I mean, it was crazy. First of all, I've never sat in the 100s before. Uh, always a 300 guy. Got lucky enough that we got some like last-minute tickets that ended up being uh, reasonably priced. Of course, we were still behind the end zone, so it's not like the same as like the your normal 100s where you're right in front uh, on the 50-yard line. But great experience. Giants fans were pumped. When we're walking into the stadium, people are singing, they're yelling, and obviously the beginning of the game was just crazy. The first third down, I mean, it was, you you could barely, it felt like my ears were going to pop out of my head. Uh, it was that loud. It was probably the best atmosphere I've been at at a Giants game in the past three years, probably. Um, so certainly uh, it was a great atmosphere and it was really fun. Uh, you know, on the way out too, everyone was uh, chanting, yelling, singing uh, after the win. So it was really a great experience. So happy that I went. Um, and I'm sure a ton of you know fans were there. The stadium was packed. You couldn't find an empty seat. It was packed. Um, so great experience and huge win for the Giants, baby. Huge win, two and zero. It's crazy, man. Two and zero. It wasn't pretty. It was not pretty today. It was not great, but. The only thing that matters is the W. I tried to like draw it with my finger. It didn't really work out. Anyway. Yeah, definitely another win on the uh, on the board. Helps things out. And it takes us to a Dallas team next Monday for Monday Night Football in a better state of a football team than they are. Which is something that I don't think we've been able to say for the past at least three to five years, Alex. The Giants have never gone into a Dallas Cowboys game in a better position than quote-unquote America's team. Well, yeah. guess what? America's team, in quotes, is going into MetLife Stadium looking worse than the New York football giants. And yes, <laughs> we haven't been able to say that recently. So I think that's pretty good to say. I'm happy I'm yeah. able to get those words out of my mouth. Yeah. Um, but anyway, sticking to this game, right? Like you said, a sloppy game. I think that reflects in the scoreline of 19 to 16, um, a field goal heavy one, and Graham the Goat Gano steps up big time, obviously nailing the game-winning field goal, technically in the terms. The Giants had to make a stop in order for that to happen, um, you know, two weeks in a row with the Giants putting it, it putting the game in the hands of the opposite football team. Giants getting lucky in week one with Randy Bullock missing the game-winning field goal, and in this week, with uh, the Giants actually getting the stop themselves and shutting this team down. But anyway, let's get into it. Alex, I don't know. Do you want to go? I, I don't think we have like really chronological order events. I think for this one, we're kind of just going to wing it and, and yeah. not wing it in the way of like we don't have anything, but wing it in the way of like the organization of how we're going to talk about events. Let's start out with our quarterback, Daniel Jones, if that works for you. I mean, I was going to say we should start with basically the beginning in terms of those two field goals to start the game after two gifted sure. opportunities. You get the first one on special teams where Dane Belton uh, recovers the fumble. His first NFL snap, he recovers the fumble, which is pretty funny. 
Um, and then you have great field position, unfortunately. All goes to waste. You just get a field goal. And then defense comes up big. Uh, Adoree Jackson picks up a fumble. And again, great field position. You're already in field goal range. What do the Giants end up with? They end up going all the way, I believe, uh, to the two-yard line. Uh, it was second and goal from the two, and they were not able to punch it in, and then it turned into fourth and goal from the 15, uh, which is not really what you want to see when you're at the, at the two uh, on second down. But I think that was a really miss, big missed, opter, uh, missed opportunity, at least to get 10 points on the board there mm, rather true. than six, uh, but it really should have been 14. And just, you know, execution on offense early on and really throughout the game was just not good enough. Uh, you could tell by the low score line. It's not like Carolina has this, you know, crazy defense with, you know, TJ Watt and, and uh, you know, I'm trying to think of another, Derwin James. You know, you don't have Bobby Wagner flying around, right? You got Brian Burns. He's a solid player. Don't get me wrong. You got some decent back end guys, but it's not like they're a world beater defense. Um, and we made it, it looked like a real struggle today uh, on offense, uh, just not a lot of cohesiveness. And once again, it seemed like in the receiving game, Richie James is just that guy uh, and the rest are kind of, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say irrelevant, but just not, you know, doing their part really. I know the exact word that you were thinking about, Alex, <laughs> during that statement. You wanted to say nobody uh, so badly I there. I did, I did. And then remember that these are NFL wide receivers that you're talking about, and you cannot say the rest of the guys behind Richie James are, in fact, nobodies because they are on oh an NFL p- field getting paid an NFL salary, and you are sitting in your you know, your uh, office or bedroom where I don't even know what room you're in right now of your house recording this podcast. Um, but anyway, I still, <laughs> I still want to go back back and we didn't even cover the inactives for this game but that did include Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari once again followed by Wandell Robinson um, and Aaron Robinson Nick McLeod Jason Pinnock and Tyree Williams now okay with that being said let's continue from where we left off here yes I I think Alex I mean as much as I hate to say it because like I don't want to compare to the old Giants because they were never 2-0 But this did give me some reminiscence of the old Giants, the Joe Judge Giants, who repeatedly went into the opposite side of the field, sometimes even the red zone, and didn't capitalize, especially that first drive. Imagine if we scored a touchdown right off the bat. Could have been in a completely different game, and obviously we can say the whole coulda, shoulda, woulda. Luckily, we got the win at the end of the day, but if they could have scored that touchdown super early, given it back to Carolina, who knows how much pressure would have been on them from the get-go. Anyway... This yeah, game really on. this game really shouldn't have been as tight as it was. It shouldn't have been nine we shouldn't have been sweating towards the end. Um, you know, besides the extreme heat that we in the sun that was burning down on us, coming <laughs> down on us. Besides that, we shouldn't have been sweating because of the team. And it kind of felt like that at the end. It should have been a much more comfortable win. Ooh, I should have asked you that. Were you guys in the sunny part, you and your so, dad? We were actually in the shady part for three quarters of the game, and then the fourth quarter came, and the sun was like the, over the whole stadium at that point. It was like right smack in the middle, and everyone's like dying because it's like 88 degrees. The sun's like beaming down. It was awful, but it wasn't so awful because the Giants won, and then we were all happy anyway. Yeah, I mean, it works out in the end of things. <laughs> um, okay, so here, here's where I want to go from here. Or here's where I want to go from here. What was I going to talk about? Yes. Okay. So the Giants do get, in fact, get their first touchdown and only touchdown of the game. And it's with Daniel Bellinger, the rookie tight end for the New York Giants in a second career game. Gets his first career touchdown. We went from Dane Belton 
getting his first career game and also first career fumble recovery to another rookie, uh, Dan Bellinger, extending out for the touchdown. And not even Dan Bellinger, or well, in this case, yes, great for him to get his first touchdown in the NFL, but I also want to stick on the fact of tight ends. Now, only with two catches and 22 yards was Tanner Hudson, but... For the New York Giants, I actually made a some crucial catches today. Well, or, or they were they were big catches, man. A uh, couple you know, this, crucial yeah. catches. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say they were big. There were a couple very big catches, moving the chains, getting first downs. Um, you know, as much as you know, it, it's kind of like the stat line is kind of lying to you in a sense. Kind of like how it showed last week that Daniel Jones had an all-worldly performance when he really was just okay. Um, and even the stat line today, I'm sure, didn't make him look as bad as he actually was. Um, so I, I think in general, Tanner Hudson, you know, you may think, oh, this guy, he had two catches for 22 yards, but those 22 yards were pivotal, uh, especially with this offense that was struggling to get first downs, and he was able to move the chains. Well, Alex, I, I want to talk about that statement with Daniel Jones. I think today that the guy did, in fact, struggle. Um, I want to say that he almost threw two interceptions, but mainly the one that was in and out of that cornerback's hands on the right side of the field, which was absolutely no idea. I guess he didn't see him because technically there was a cornerback on Sterling Shepard running the route on the right side, and then you had that guy, I think he was in the nickel, and he was kind of shading over towards that area. Maybe when Jones saw Shepard, obviously he only has so much time in the pocket, so he just saw Shepard, was like, let me throw it. But looking at highlights and looking at the replays, you're just like, how does Jones not see that quarterback? Like, that's scary how he doesn't see that quarterback. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, again, I want to ask you because you're going to get the majority of the talking points for me today. I want to know from a perspective of a fan at the event, I mean, you said Jones looked bad. I mean, how did it look from your point of view? In terms of what – because we're kind of behind the end zone – you can kind of see, as, at least when he was coming towards us, and even from behind, you could see like where he was looking. And it just felt like kind of old Daniel Jones, rookie Daniel Jones, where he just had that one read and he would just focus in on wherever he was looking. And I think that was the case with that one that went through that uh, corner's hands that he just threw it to him. He was, st- I believe it was Sterling Shepard on that throw. I may be wrong, but it seemed like he was staring down Shepard. And it was like, he, you know, there was players open and I, you know, from the TV angle, you can't see this, but David Sills was open a number of times. There was a throw, Kadarius Tony was wide open down the field, which he just completely missed. It would have been a touchdown. Um, so there's certain things, it was some of the reads that made it seem worse. The fact that he was just so one read heavy and sometimes even coming out of the pocket, his pocket presence wasn't strong enough. And even when he did scramble out to the right, he was so focused on looking downfield that he could have gotten a couple easy first downs if he just took off. Yeah, Alex. So the TV, giving you now the TV point of view, the TV <laughs> perspective. Yes. So uh, Fox actually was showing uh, the Kadarius Tony wide open. One of those plays there. I, I mean, I don't know if Tony was open consistently downfield because you know I'm only seeing. There was but like at, two, maybe. I think there was, was definitely one that they showed that he was wide open and looking for a touchdown, and then there was also a couple. I think David Sills where they showed that he was open, but I do remember watching the highlights. I'm like, where is Jones looking? And Daryl Johnson on the broadcast, I believe that's his name, the color uh, or it's play by play and. Is a color commentator? I don't know the exact position. Whatever it is, Daryl Johnson, I believe his name, who's on the broadcast, and he literally said, like, yeah, as as a fan of the Giants fan, like, you have to question where is Daniel Jones throwing? Like, where is he looking on that play? 
And I guess it's that Sterling Shepard and only Sterling Shepard. But I also want to say that um, I want I want to ask you a question of there were times where he would just wait in the pocket, which led to sacks or him throwing it away. Were wide receivers also having trouble getting open today? Because it really seemed like he would wait 10 seconds in the pocket, nothing would develop, and it would either end up in a sack or a throw to the sideline. Yeah, I would certainly say that receivers, especially early on in the game, were not getting open enough. Um, I think sometimes it was just that it, it took a while for those routes to develop, some of the routes that they were running. But players like Sterling Shepard, uh, David Sills, uh, especially those two guys, at certain points in the game, they did eventually, but at certain points they were just creating such minimal separation. Uh, and obviously Kenny Galladay would not have helped with that at all. We'll talk about him in a minute, how he barely played. But it was it was a struggle. I think the only guy who was consistently really getting separation was Richie James and to an extent Kadarius Tony. but Jones wasn't really looking for Kadarius Tony. Uh, he had, you know, a couple of, like, designed runs, de- uh, designed, like, uh, plays for him. But besides that, when he was out there kind of with an undesigned play, I guess you could say, where he was not the focus of the play, it was just he was never targeted, um, even though he did have some separation. So I'd say, yeah, there was some of it that it was some coverage sacks, and then there was just some bad offensive line play as well. Don't get me wrong. Evan Neal definitely struggled a bit against Brian Burns. I mean, Brian Burns is an elite pass rusher in the NFL and Evan Neal definitely had a struggle to contain him but you look on the other side and I was making these comments to my dad when we were watching the game Ike McQuanu was struggling on the opposite end for Carolina two I want to say one or two there was one false start that completely cost them uh, a set of downs I believe it was like a third and one or like a fourth and one it was one of or Something that, by him jumping off sides, gave those five free yards and gave the Giants a first down on a late down, third or fourth. I don't remember specifically, but that's all right. Let's wrap it up with the Daniel Jones so we can move on to other topics. And I want to say this before I forget. In the beginning of the broadcast, too, they mentioned how he was 81% uh, completion percentage last week. That was a career high, Alex. And you mentioned earlier that... It the stat the stat line doesn't reflect how he played last week. I want to agree with you that even though that was eighty percent completion percentage, which was a high, he's like the throws didn't look that great. And this week it's more of the same. And let's not forget the one throw to Sterling Shepard, the overthrow Sterling Shepard wide open down the field could have had another long touchdown. And Daniel Jones just hits him with the overthrow. I don't know if you're you get, you're giving me the look that you're kind of trying to remember what that was. Um, there, there was a throw deep to Sterling Shepard. He made kind of yep. a double move and just Daniel Jones overthrew him. No, I, I, I was actually just kind of thinking about something, uh, you know, thinking about Daniel Jones and I was going to make a comment, you know, I was watching a bit, I don't know how this happened, but I was watching a bit of the Texans. Who were they playing Broncos game? And I think Daniel Jones, I don't know what it is about him, but I think Daniel Jones and Davis Mills are so similar I was like, are you going to give a Davis Mills reference right now? But Davis Mills was selected, what, late third round, fourth round, right? There's The expectations are different, but in terms of what, like, I think Davis Mills throws a, a, a like a more powerful ball, a sharper ball. I don't think he's as accurate, but in terms of kind of their mannerisms, how they look at things, I don't know, I just like came to my mind. Um, and now I'm just talking about it for no reason whatsoever. But in case anyone was interested, I'd actually recommend going to look at it because they play so similarly. And I think when people talk about like, oh, who can Daniel Jones be? Is he going to be like a Josh Allen? Is he going to be, um, you know, who are other, like a Kirk Cousins? 
I think he more reminds me of someone who's going to be like a Davis Mills, um, <laughs> to be honest. Like, you know, he can he can definitely make the throws, don't get me wrong, but he's not going to win you games. Yeah, so finishing up with Daniel Jones' stat line, 22 for 34, throwing 176 yards and one touchdown. He also had crucial rushes, 10 carries for 21 yards. If you remember, again, like I can't think of plays off the top of my head, but there was the... Uh, the broken down play, whatever it was, like a third or fourth down, and Jones just took off and got a first down, which is a crucial play for the New York Giants in that game. So great job by him. Let's move down the line here in the depth chart. Go to the man, Saquon Barkley, who was the offensive NF- or uh, not NFC. Yes, NFC. NFC Offensive Player of the Week last week. He now comes back, gets 21 carries for 72 yards. Yes, it was a pretty um, hefty workload for Saquon in this game with the 21 carries, and yes. He didn't look good getting into space early, then kind of blossomed with a few long rushes here and there, and then ended up putting up a pretty good stat line with 72 yards. Carolina was looking like a complete different defense from week one when they played Cleveland. Um, Really focused on the run, and I assume, as we know, Saquon with as many yards as he got last week, that was probably a big focus for the defense heading into the game plan for this week, and they covered him well, but... Um, by the end, Saquon was nodding his head, like getting ready for plays. He was bunny hopping, like hopping from one foot to the other. So he was definitely hyped up. He got a lot of adrenaline there towards the end, getting those rushes for 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, you know, going up to even 15-yard carries. Um, and he was definitely, I would say, using his momentum to his advantage um, towards the end, even pushing for those extra yards with the offensive line behind him, I remember, on a single play. Yeah. Well, with Saquon, right, you could see they were stacking the box constantly. Uh, you could tell our receiving core was not at its strongest, um, and I think they knew that, and smartly they stacked the box. So Saquon struggled, I think, in the first half especially, but as he got into the game, he found a few more holes. Uh, the offensive line created a few more holes, and he certainly had a, I think he had a pretty good game, uh, to be completely honest with you. Maybe the stats don't make it seem like that, but... Um, you know, he had some, a couple of very important plays and there was a couple that really kind of skewed his stats where it was like, you know, the defense just completely blew up the offensive line, uh, and he would, you know, get a loss of five here and there. And it just completely, you know, killed his, uh, yard per carry average, I guess you want to say there, but certainly Saquon, I think he was impressive and, you know, on the sidelines, even you could see him, you know, talking to teammates, hyping them up, et cetera. So he's a real leader. You can tell. And, uh, you know, happy for him that he's back. It's really, it's really exciting. And he had a huge ovation uh, when they started, like, announcing the players individually. Um, and he absolutely, the place went crazy for Saquon Barkley. So happy that he's back to his best. Yeah, so let's get into the wide receiving room now. Alex, you mentioned Kenny Galladay earlier. Um, he was the man kind of chosen, I guess, for this week to not get majority of the workload, if a workload at all was presented. I, I don't understand this, though, with, with Dable. He's like, yeah, th- you know, last week Kadarius Tony barely played. This week, you know, Kadarius Tony was playing pretty much almost all the time. And then Kenny Galladay, like, why do we need to have it that certain receivers just sit out? Like, why can't we use all of them? Like, I don't understand, like, why certain ones are sent to the doghouse each week. Like, next week now is Sterling Shepard just not going to play on, besides two snaps. And then the week after, David Sills is not going to play except for two snaps. And then... Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, why can't you? Like, I don't understand. Like, I get there's a game plan, right? You know, you could use some receivers more than others, but it doesn't mean you just, like, exclude certain players. Like, I just find that silly. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, let's we can get to the quotes here. Jordan Ronan posting some stuff about it on Twitter. Um, and if you remember, Alex, maybe they have to make room for, uh, you know, once a game, Gary Brightwell 20-yard carries. Who knows? I, I don't know how they're going to work that out. But maybe it's like, like, that is pretty funny how Gary Brightwell even got a carry. And I want to say that Kenny Galladay was left with this game without even a single catch, right? Yeah, he, he saw two snaps, I believe, pretty much. He ran out twice, did a quick cameo, went back to the bench. Yeah, he's like, I guess for the $72 million I'm getting paid over these four years at least. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's completely his fault, so let, let's get into it. So these are the tweets by Jordan Ronan uh, about Brian Dable during his press conference. So Brian Dable barely played Kadarius Tony in the opener. Kenny Galladay getting paid $18 million this season, saw two snaps versus the Panthers. Bold statements. Quote, that position we're going to keep unrolling, guys, Dable said. Play the guys that week that we think give us the best chance. Dable said Galladay handled it like a pro. Told him midweek they were going with David Sills this week. Galladay wasn't available for coming at the game. After the game. So they told Kenny Galladay midweek that the guy who just made the team, who's made the practice squad in the past, David Sills, on the cusp of not making the 53-man roster until... Colin Johnson's injury and I know that for a fact Alex if Colin Johnson was a healthy player this season there would be definitely a higher chance above 50% that David Sills would not make this roster but Brian Dable said midweek that Sills is ahead of you for this week's game against the Panthers that's that is a bold statement I mean Jordan Ronan's completely right with that report I mean, again, Darius Slayton barely played too, right? So that's another guy who's, you know, more experienced. He probably played like four snaps, maybe five. And was inactive last week. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it just seems weird, right? You know, we're winning right now, so no one's going to say anything, right? I'm, you know, I'm not, like, complaining right now. But, you know, you'll see when we start losing because we're eventually going to lose, right? We're not going to, you know, go undefeated this season. I think we can all agree on that. I'm not trying to be a downer. But... Eventually, you're gonna have to look at it. Why can't we like? Why are we giving like guys like off weeks? Like, what? Are we, why at this point we might as well have just sent Kenny Galladay on vacation, or to like some sort of like camp or something where he could you know practice catching or something. I don't know. Like, it's ridiculous. You're gonna play him for two snaps. Why is he even there? So it, it was. It just it's weird. It rubs me the wrong way how they're just doing that. Where it's like you know this guy's not gonna be involved this week. This guy like I don't know. It just seems weird. Um, but then again, I I, I guess I'll reserve judgment for now since we're winning <laughs> yeah um you ready to move transition to the defense is that cool with you yeah all good so even though the defense wasn't able to really get a i mean technically didn't get a turnover right uh it was special teams obviously that got the no fumble. they got a they got a fumble oh uh, the darnay, fumble darnay holmes punched it out for dory jackson who recovered right and that was on a wide receiving play to was it DK robbie Moore? anderson Hobby Anderson, uh, DJ Moore, your player. To, I mean, I know we'll talk about it on Thursday in the in the preview for the Cowboys game, or maybe yeah. Friday. I will have to figure it out because Monday probably, night, but probably Thursday still. We'll we'll figure it out anyway. It doesn't matter. the The point is, you said player of the game to watch DJ Moore, who really did have the most significant impact out of any wide receiver there with getting a touchdown and three catches for forty three yards, led the uh, the team in yards uh, for the Panthers. Well, first of all, it's Baker Mayfield. So let's say that for you know, first and foremost, it is Baker Mayfield. But don't take that away from the defense. Uh, the defense. I want to. I'm going to say this in the right way. The defense forced Baker Mayfield to have a 14 for 29 game, which is pretty pretty horrific, uh, with 145 yards and one touchdown. Pretty similar stat line to Daniel Jones, if I'm if I'm completely honest, right? 14. So keep that in your mind. 14 for 29. 
Jones was 22 for 34. So I don't have the completion percentages in front of me for each of those quarterbacks, but I'm sure it's pretty similar. Um, obviously, Christian McCaffrey had his way. And it's funny, the Giants go against one of the or two of the top five best running backs in the NFL two weeks in a row with Derrick Henry last week. Shut him down pretty good. And honestly, having McCaffrey only getting 102 yards is and not the worst. one of those was worst. a play. One of those was like a 50-yard run, so... Yeah, um, so uh, not not the worst, like not the worst that could have happened. But yes, let's talk about this defense. Um, well, obviously Julian Love, I believe he made the sack of the game, really getting Baker Mayfield down with seven tackles this game as well. Um, he was a force to be reckoned with. And same thing, even though it doesn't say it exactly in the stat sheet, his name was getting called a lot and he was stepping up. And that is O'Shane Zimenez with two tackles and a sack in this game. Um, really big wrecking force for the Giants. And also, finally, one more guy. And I was super excited to see this multi- a couple times in this game. Xavier McKinney coming off the side. That guy is scary. Obviously, he had the, I remember, the one play that sticks out in mind off of the edge. I want to say off the left side. Runs at Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield does a good job. Steps up in the pocket. Then Xavier McKinney not only turns around and finishes the play, but speeds up after getting faked out comes up to Baker Mayfield and only and Baker only scrambles to get a one yard gain because even after losing the play and losing the sack McKinney still fights through gets a tackle and didn't have just one but two pass deflections um you know getting up there and knocking the ball down from Baker Mayfield's hands those are three guys Julian Love O'Shane Zimenez Xavier McKinney that I really wanted to shout out in this defensive recap of this game go ahead Alex and two of those guys Julian Love and Xavier McKinney both came and blitzed at once. You don't usually see two of your three safeties, because uh, we did play three safeties at quite a few points, two of your three safeties blitzing all at once, which is pretty funny. Uh, and I believe Wink did that once, maybe twice, um, but all three safeties had a great game. McKinney, Love, and Dane Belton, I thought, had a great game as well, yes. uh, especially considering it was his first NFL game. So shout out to those guys in the secondary um, and, and, you know, I thought, I thought they played well. And even Cordell Flott before, uh, you know, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson went crazy in like the second half, he was doing pretty well before he got, you know, dragged out for uh, Fabian Moreau, um, uh, after he let, let yeah. out a couple of, uh, bad plays, he was doing good to initially. So promising signs from him as well. Darnay Holmes, of course, played and well you know- as well. Oh, sorry. You know who we um, also saw today, too? Tomon Fox. Did he get called up from the practice squad for the game this week, or was he also He's on, on the, the roster. He's on okay. the roster, man. Don't, okay. don't disrespect my guy, Fox. I'm just saying that he was out there um, a little bit more than I expected. So we can't talk about this defense without talking about the scary injury that happened with Leonard Williams. Big cat Leonard Williams went down, uh, was on the ground. I mean, for us, it cut to commercial break, Alex... Again, yeah. I'm going to you for the talking point. He was down for a few minutes, a couple minutes. So what did he eventually, did they get the card out? to? I, no, I, so he walked. He walked off. Okay. Uh, but he walked off definitely very gingerly. Uh, and then he kind of just sat. I didn't see him go to the locker room. He eventually I, he eventually walked um, into the locker room. Yeah, so that I wasn't was, paying attention that far. So Well, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard to watch because when you're there. Yeah, so, I, I mean, it's concerning. Uh, what on at least what Leonard Williams said, he doesn't think it's going to be too bad, uh, but he couldn't say anything more. Uh, and Dable obviously also didn't have an update. He said they'll know more tomorrow. So yeah, it's really going to be in, like tomorrow afternoon. Look for those Giants beat reporters because that's when you're going to really no. get your crucial information. 
I'm gonna guess it's not gonna it's not gonna be like the ACL or you know something like that, one of those bad ones. But I think it could be, you know, a few weeks. I think I think like a a, a few week injury is probably likely. So now I'm not a doctor though, so who knows? Who steps not, in? F- <laughs> I hate you know what I I'm totally retracting that comment that it's gonna be a few weeks or whatever because I hate freaking people who have no idea what they're talking about and are Twitter doctors like diagnosing players. So I'm not gonna be one of those people. I'm sorry. I'm retracting that comment. I have no idea what the injury is going to be like. I'm not a doctor. If Leonard Williams is out, Alex, who steps in to take his place? Like Nick who Williams. The yeah. other Williams. Nick Williams. Uh, you'll probably see a little bit more of, um, oh, my God, what's the guy out of Arizona State? Defensive tackle. Oh, my God. I'm blanking on his name right now. I have no idea who you're thinking of. Uh, rookie defense attack. We'll keep going. I'll, I'll think. Rookie of it. defense attack. DJ Davidson. DJ Davidson. There you go. I think you might see a little bit more of him, him and Dexter Lawrence, yeah. at the same time. But again, he doesn't really bring the same thing as Leonard Williams. I think you're going to see Nick Williams as more of a direct replacement. Let's just say, even though they're not playing the exact same positions, to be able to hopefully get the two guys, Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau, back next week on Monday night, be big. Yeah. Be a big safe like a big safety option not even safety but like a big big uh relief if Williams happens to get out for at least two to three weeks getting those guys back next week and it looks like they're on the same trajectory so it's like whatever happens to Aziz looks I mean I I don't know for sure obviously we're not with the team but it seems like those guys are always been notched up together so far this season like they've been working out together so it seems like if one of them's going to play the other one's going to play or I, I would hope so at least but i'm telling you man leonard williams is way more important than both of those guys leonard williams bring you know he attracts those double teams what he does is so underrated he's by far the best player on this defense um you know just because the numbers aren't there in terms of sacks tackles for a lot etc he's such a disruptor uh, on that defensive line, he's going to be dearly missed if he misses an uh, extensive period of time. And um, the final thing, a special team. So we obviously talked about the football, the football, the fumble early in the game on the first play. Um, let's get to, to, I would say Jamie Gillen's punts were not bad in this game. I was just going to go yeah. straight to Graham Gano, but I guess let's address the Graham the Goat Gano. Four for four today in field goals, which is 100% if you didn't know to calculate. Hope you had him on fantasy. 56 yards was the long, and it was the final kick, the game-winning kick. Uh, he provided that field goal to snap the 16-16 tie with three minutes left in the game. Um, and it capped off an 11-play, 37-yard, 7-plus minute drive. And that was really scary because he gave Baker Mayfield the ball with over three minutes left. But it ended up going well. And Luckily, it's Baker Mayfield. Alex, I want to say this. When was the last time you actually saw the Giants in victory formation? Like, I don't remember that. It was crazy. Um, yeah, really think there. Think hard. I don't know. It's I don't know. While. It's been I, a while. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. Yeah, uh, it's it's really great feelings here. I mean, being 2-0, it's... I, I was following the Washington game, and they were ever so slightly coming back against the Lions earlier uh, during the Giants game. But it ended up uh, not happening. So as of this moment, till tomorrow, t- till t- till tomorrow, we'll have to see what happens. The uh, New York Football Giants are atop of the NFC East with the other two teams playing today, or one of them being the Commanders getting a loss. So they become one. Cowboys one. got lucky today. If we're being completely honest, Cowboys got a win. Whatever. Okay, they're still one and one, and they're still and without. The Eagles Dak are going to lose tomorrow, so it'll be perfect. Yeah, who do the Eagles play? Vikings. Vikings. I think that'll be a good game, honestly. 
Justin Jefferson's going to torch them. Dalvin Cook is going to run all over them. It's going to be great. 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 Oh, my God. Great. Cook and great. Great for Cook. So, all right. So, yeah, if the Eagles do win tomorrow, looking at the points, four points against, they will be on top of the Giants. But they won't, so it doesn't matter. Right, because they won't win. So we're we're all good. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is not going to win. We're over 30 minutes here on the recording. Do we have anything else? I don't believe we do, man. It's been a hell of a couple two weeks. Yes. Giants are 2-0. and I can't believe I'm freaking saying that. And um, it's nuts. Alex, well, the last thing I want to say before we kind of like, you know, start, start wrapping things up is we can once again wear our Giants shirts tomorrow and not get any, like, any back talk from anyone. That's they can't true. say anything. The Giants are 2-0. and What are you going to do about it? That's true. Is it going to be like cool? Well, it'll be. It might be a little nice and cool in the morning. Maybe I'll wear like Daniel a, Jones jersey coming on. No, I can't wear the Jones oh, jersey wear the after Jones he played yesterday. You know, it was or today. I can't. It wasn't good enough. You know. Do I wear the KT jersey? You have a KT jersey. I have a Kadarius Tony jersey. It's the Giants throwback uniform that that they just. Oh, you. Oh, you got one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm, interesting. He played Maybe. and he played well. I think the only thing would have been is. Wasn't didn't he have a a play? I oh mean, yeah, I'd wear the McKinney one, man. He was a star yeah. today. He was I a think, stud. I think I might have to wear that. But I was just re- now remembering actually before we close it out. Yeah. There was that McKinney wide open play, and then they called David Sills for like a pick, and they called it offensive pass interference when Sills was just trying to look to get open, and then the cornerback who was on Kadarius Tony ran into him. And then they called uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. game over. Giants won nineteen sixteen yeah. victory. Let's uh, do some stuff before we close it out here. If you want to follow us, or, well, first of all, subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate it. Drop a like as well. And you can uh, subscribe down below and then subscribe wherever you're listening if you're listening that way. You can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at the Giant Take Pod, Instagram and Facebook, the Giant Take, and then Alex on Twitter at Inorin23. I'm on Twitter at Joshola29. And if you want to find more places to listen, you can go to shipitstudios.com slash giant take. If I said that all too too fast or you weren't even listening, it's okay. That'll be in the description or podcast notes. So, Alex, without further ado, take it away. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode after a big Giants win. We'll see you all next time. Preview for the Cowboys. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.